Think Again My Friend, Episode Fair. Fictional Detectives, Contains Explicit Content. What are you listening to for the next half hour? Think Again My Friend. The panel game podcast for the curious American. This episode, Fictional Detectives. All right. My mom thinks I'm cool. <laughs> Welcome to. <laughs> Your Welcome... mom also thinks I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Think Again, my friend, the panel game podcast that your mom thinks is cool. I'm your host, Mike Sugarbaker. If our panelists would introduce uh, themselves on my left. <clears throat> my name is Kristen McCurdy, and I don't know how I got here this morning. My name is Brendan Adkins, and I take back what I said about Mark's mom. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mark Bergo, and I don't take back anything I've ever done to Brendan's mom. <laughs> it's on already. Um, wow. Our, our theme this week is fictional detectives. Uh, ever since mankind first uh, started getting killed and wondering why. <laughs> we have written stories about it. I think maybe more motivated by, and Brendan, you and I had this discussion recently about puzzles, uh, how you are not a puzzle fan. No. How I kind of am a puzzle fan to a point, but really, and uh, more germane, it's more fun to watch somebody solve a puzzle who is smart, <laughs> like really smart, and, and it's no fun at all to watch somebody try to solve a puzzle who can't do it. Yes. And... Um, I think that maps pretty well to the fictional detectives who, you know, humanity has loved most over time. Um, not that there are never blind alleys, and, and uh, my introduction is over. <laughs> Here are some questions, which I will ask of our panelists. Yes, here's one. Okay. Uh, Agatha Christie's, one of her most famous fictional detectives, Hercule Poirot, has a MySpace page on which he claims he would like to meet whom? Tom. <laughs> the butler? Butler, okay. Um, special lady for some quiet times. <laughs> I always got the impression that Scotland Poirot Coast. was kind of either asexual or gay. Can, can, I change, well. can I change my answer to Justin Bieber? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I would have changed my answer to Brendan's mom. This oh, will come on. <laughs> this will maybe be maximally funny to, to Kim, who did uh, the bulk of our Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie research. Uh, the, as of a few weeks ago, the answer on the MySpace page is who we would most like to meet is Captain Hastings down a dark alley. <laughs> and not being a big uh, Christie reader, I don't know what that means. No. So I'm going to assume it's gay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, one of my personal favorite fictional detectives uh, is, of course, Batman. Um, back to Hercule Poirot. Uh, what are his most often textually referenced physical characteristics? We're looking for two here. His mustache. And his general egg-shaped uh, <clears throat> appearance. Yeah. Team answer. I wasn't looking for collaboration here. We'll, we'll, uh, Ms. McCurdy, do you have anything to add? I was going to say his mustache and uh, the, the cane that he carried. Is that physical? <laughs> you, you, all get, uh, you all get partial Cane's, credit Canes here. exist in the physical world, Mark. <laughs> it's a mind cane, actually. <laughs> 
Uh, what are, what, that's fascinating. <laughs> the, the correct answer is the two most often referenced are his mustache and the little gray cells oh, of his brain. Oh, yeah, that's the exact pulses. text here, little gray cells. Yes. He says that a lot. <laughs> oh, he, he refers to it himself. Yes. And, okay. and, and everyone else. Have some humility. <laughs> Does he refer to the little gray cells having trouble walking at any point? No. <laughs> My mind can is bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> He does, he is often pictured as having, having a cane, but that's never, that's almost never referenced in the books. Okay, okay. Let's do some Sherlock Holmes quick fires. Who is the Scotland Yard detective that Holmes works with most often? That's a fascinating expression on your face, Brandon. (laughs) I know this. It's not going to translate. No. No. Uh, I fail. Okay. What is Sherlock Holmes' brother's name? Mycroft. Thank you. What is Holmes and Watson's landlady's name? Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. It starts with a B. No. No. <laughs> uh, which Holmes case features the Church of the Latter-day Saints? Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> which one? McCurdy, do you have a guess? Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> You're the only one here who's been in a polygamous marriage. <laughs> Look, it was Vegas. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say the case of the cor- corrupted lime jello. <laughs> Mr. Atkins. Um, sign of four. I have no idea. Hmm. Um... The Hound of the Bland Subdivisions? <laughs> uh, the correct answer is uh, A Study in Scarlet. Oh, really? I have, I have no idea what the context is here. Uh, yeah, this is uh, which Holmes case features the Mormon church? Yeah. Study, study in Scarlet. Do you know the context? Tell us more. <laughs> That's your entry bell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Study in Scarlet is the, uh, the case in which Jefferson Hope murders two former uh, former sons of Mormon elders who were responsible for the death and polygamous marriage of the girl he was supposed to marry. Oh. He tracks them down to London and murders both of them. Mm. Responsible for the that's, death and polygamous marriage? Was that's in one that of the order. super early ones, right? <laughs> well, she, they killed her father and then forced her into a polygamous marriage and she died of a broken heart oh. supposedly shortly thereafter. Mm. Wow. How many Sherlock Holmes cases feature people who die of a broken heart? Um, it seems like a very abstract way to murder somebody. It does. I, I think that's, that's the only one that's specific. It's really uh, hard to pick up the clues, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was the more, the more important thing was that this was a revenge murder. Okay, okay. I've murdered a woman or two in my time, most likely. If we can, yeah. I, that was a joke. What happened to the rapid fire part of this segment? <laughs> um, it's uh, the the gun, the gun jammed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which which Holmes case features the Ku Klux Klan? Truth. These are also American. I, it's very <laughs> weren't the the Holmes weren't most of the Holmes stories kind of written at a time when. Well, America was still not new, but new-ish, and a lot of British people probably kind of struggling with it still. Or just found it bizarre. 
yeah. and, and entertaining. It's, yeah. it's the source of all of the um, all of the mystery tropes. Yeah, it was it was exotic. At the yeah. Time. And uh, Conan Doyle didn't actually know tons about America, so <laughs> yeah. a lot of the stuff that he talks about with the Mormon church is really not accurate. And his representation of the KKK in the story in question is also not terribly accurate. All right. Uh, Clearly we all fail I'm going to say the red-headed lead. I, I, I'm... <laughs> Even though I know that's I'm wrong. It. <laughs> it's, um, the, the, it does have a, a color. In the title, oh, uh, I was gonna say a study in ivory. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is uh, the answer is the five orange pips, which is so the name of my uh, next acapella singing group. Um, so this is it a Jersey Shore themed acapella? <laughs> I was thinking KKK themed. But... <laughs> um, same, same. Sherlock Holmes referred to his nemesis, Professor Moriarty, as the Napoleon of Crime. Who was the real-life criminal actually called the Napoleon of Crime? Napoleon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Atkins, do you have a guess? Nothing. No? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm stumped. All right. Um, a Jewish-American criminal by the name of Adam Wirth, um, active in the latter half of the 19th century, uh, he was nicknamed by a detective at Scotland Yard, the Napoleon of the criminal world. Again with the Americans. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah. He started as a pickpocket, became a prominent uh, fence, and then became a bank robber. Yeah. Why he was Napoleon, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's where the money is? Well. <laughs> Maybe he was short. He could have been short. It's Maybe true. he always had his hand in his shirt. Mm. We don't know. He had an itch. Maybe just really like his entire life of crime. What? Maybe you just really like pastry. Oh, Napoleon's. Oh, oh Napoleon's. Uh, That's a, now I'm hungry. Maybe he was at pastry. <laughs> now, now it's you with the ethnic slurs. I see. Um, so Dorothy Sayers created uh, around 1920 a uh, British gentleman detective by the name of Lord Peter Whimsey. Peter Whimsey had uh, four names in total, not counting the Lord, which I don't think is really... You know. a, that's a title. Yeah. An honorific, um, if you will. True or false, taking bets here, one of those four names is the word blood. I'm going with true. I'm going with true. I'm going with false, just to be contrarian. McCurdy wins. Yay! <laughs> one of the four is, in fact, death. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel cheated. Making him the most Awkward. metal British gentleman detective ever. Yes. <laughs> He's featured in 11 novels and many short stories. I've never heard of Peter Whimsey until now. <laughs> and I know I, I'm disappointing what? Kim terribly. I, I actually hadn't until I met Kim. Okay. He's like, <laughs> my grandma liked him. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more, Mark. <laughs> what about, about Brendan's mom? Yeah. Yes. That's something I have in common with Lord Peter Whimsey. <laughs> um, so, Cops, an 80s animated series, uh, which also aired under the title Cyber Cops, uh, featured a somewhat uh, super-powered team of future uh, police who uh, fought a crime organization with um, a similar contrived acronym. It was C-O-P-S. Right. It wasn't just Cops. Uh, and they fought C-R-O-O-K-S. 
the the tagline of the show and its action figure line was fighting crime in a future time. I think I actually remember this. Yes. No shit. The uh, the, the the leader of the cops have like a, his chest opened up and guns came out. Oh. Yes. Oh, yes. That's now yeah. that helps you solve crimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the most distinct thing I remember about them is that at one point they all get you know thrown off the force. And uh, said gun chest cyborg leader has to make a citizen's arrest <laughs> in order to stop the criminals. <laughs> My question is um, the, the COPS. Uh, what was their on-air battle cry? This is multiple choice. Was it, let's cyber up? Was it, it's crime fighting time? <laughs> was it, future crime is go? Or was it, crime's a-wasting? <laughs> it's gotta be let's cyber up. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else could have been th- so thoroughly corrupted by <laughs> slang for years. I don't know, let's cyber up sounds like a slogan for some AOL chat room. Yeah. <laughs> M4WMM45. Uh, M4 yes. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say crimes are wasting. Okay. Again, just to be. Huh. Future crimes ago. Or, um. Yeah, the correct answer is it's crime fighting time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Crimes of Wasting was actually the battle cry of, of their nemesis group, Crooks. Oh. <laughs> they, clearly, they clearly had better writers. And I'm yeah. frankly alarmed that any of you picked Let's Cyber Up. <laughs> I made those up so hard. <laughs> the real one is the one that sounds generic and made up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, there someone did make it, it up. Yeah. They did make up two organizations <laughs> called Cops and the Crooks. Right Do you know what acronyms. those stand for? Uh, I don't. Uh, I was unable to find that information. Cardiopulmonary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of Batman, at least I think we're speaking of Batman. I may have lost the reference. Did you just here. give away the answer? I, no. <laughs> Maybe no, it's Batman. Not. I'm usually <laughs> speaking of Batman, quite frankly. All right, uh, a a rival of um, more a rival of Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel Junior. Um, in uh, in DC Comics of you know the early days, uh, Captain Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, Captain Nazi would appear from time to time. Um, he eventually, in the course of comics continuity, and we've talked about having a whole show on messed up comics continuity yes. uh, from the early days, uh, mm. eventually it was revealed that Captain Nazi was actually some kind of embodiment of the idea of Nazism. <laughs> and so he's been able to stay in the, um, in the DC Comics canon, although he's not, he doesn't appear frequently. <laughs> um, true or false, has he ever appeared in Detective Comics? Detective Comics, of course, being the original uh, home right. of yeah. the anthology title Once Upon a Time. That was the first appearance of Batman. Right, but back then, Captain Marvel wasn't a DC character. Uh, he was, apparently. He was owned, really? I yeah. thought he was owned by another property, then DC absorbed him. Um, it might have been the other way around. But huh. maybe that's that other show we're going to have? Yeah. <laughs> Not to, you know... I'm going to say false. Okay. Not to tell you to shut up, Brendan. Because <laughs> no one would do that. I'm uh, just trying to figure it out. Um, Say what you will about Captain Nazi. At least he's an ethos. Well, I'm going to go with yes. Okay. I'm going to go with no. All right. Uh, the correct answer is no. He has mm. appeared in Batman, but not Detective Comics. <laughs> oh. I like how I keep kicking ass by just contradicting anything anyone says. Well, it's who you're choosing to contradict is the reason that strategy works so well. 
I like the. I kind of want <laughs> the a, one who's always wrong. You mean? Yes, precisely. <laughs> we should really do a show just on comic book characters whose, whose name begins with Captain, <laughs> <laughs> just to get the full range of that. You know. Mm. Uh, I had a question based on uh, Cato of Clouseau versus Cato of uh, Green Hornet. Green Hornet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but now I can't find it. I just want to bring that up. Let's all imagine how good it would have been. Yes. It's worth thinking about. I am laughing so hard right now. I'm unable to, (laughs) unable to speak. That's how good this question is. Thank you. (laughs) From frigid Sitka, Alaska, the cold war question of the week. Was Julia Child ever portrayed in fiction as a detective? I'm going to go. Yes. I'm going to say no. I know she was a spy. I have to say no. Uh, can you substantiate that, Mark? I, I cannot at all. I can just only assume by you asking it that the answer is yes. <laughs> sure. Um, what about Simone Beck? Yes. No. Can you substantiate no. that? No. Right. Um, Jacques Pepin? No. And I will not substantiate that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well, one more thing to ask, if you don't mind. Who's the fictional detective who works on, who works in A Dark Night in the City Knows How to Keep Its Secrets? Mm, the Spirit? Ooh. The Shadow? Oh, you're all so wrong! <laughs> <laughs> I see that we've gotten nowhere here today. We'll be in touch. <laughs> I have the, the answer to that last one. It is Guy Noir, Private Eye. Oh! oh. The Minnesotan in me is... Crying in shame. I know. You're going to get your citizenship revoked. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say um, I was visited Minnesota recently, and the only time I was able to make out uh, any voice on the radio, uh, it was, in fact, Garrison Keeler. <laughs> I didn't hear a lot all of night, radio. all day. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, actually, it's 12 stations of Garrison Keeler. <laughs> That's why we're so well rested. You're listening to GKR, Garrison Keeler Radio. It's time for a nap. He's the DJ on all the metal stations. That's pretty great. This next song, I believe, was once implicated in the killing of 23 school children. All right, we're going to go to challenge questions now. Um... I'm so I I still have a research window open here. I'm so so hoping I can ask this one question, and I'm just gonna create tension as to whether or not I manage it. <laughs> that's a good attention. <laughs> Apparently, that's wrong. I, <laughs> I apologize. No, I think it would be a buzz if that were wrong. Oh, uh, okay. Eh. Yeah. All right. Here's a challenge. Uh, All right. The, the earliest known detective story is contained in this famous Levantine collection of short stories. Are you asking about the anthology? Yeah. I don't mm. know the name. I know it's uh, Murders of the Remorgue, right? Mm. No? No, it's the earliest Poe. known. Wow. I'm thinking way, way before Poe. Is it like in Middle English? Is it? Oh, uh, oh Canterbury Tales. Nope. No? <laughs> All right, McCurdy. The Aeneid? No, The A Thousand One Nights. Oh. Huh. I don't remember what it was called. It, I found it on my uh, 
Electrified stick. Yes. Tra- <laughs> traipsing between in Wikipedia. All right. Well, speaking of Wikipedia, yeah. I have a challenge question. Okay. <clears throat> Which fictional detective has been the subject of three films and appears at the intersection of the following categories in Wikipedia? Comedy film characters, fictional characters from Florida, fictional private investigators, fictional Buddhist monks, fictional postal workers, and 1994 introductions. Oh, that has to be Ace Ventura. Well done, sir. Yes. <sighs> I am the victor. That's not fair. Okay. Um, quick one speaking about animal detectives, however. Um, according to the Discovery Channel, animal detectives are not also known as what? Give this multiple choice. Uh, are they, this, and this is which one is not on the list, uh, cruelty investigators, animal cops, humane sociologists, or humane law enforcement officers? Go with B. That was uh, animal cops? Yes. Right. I'm going to go with a D because that has nothing to do with animals. <laughs> <laughs> humane law enforcement officers. Yes. I suppose in another sense of humane, yeah. I'm going to go with humane sociologists because that doesn't make a damn lick of sense. <laughs> All right. The winner is McCurdy. Oh. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like that the category, that the title humane law enforcement officer exists for somebody because of what it suggests about all the other uh, law enforcement officers. Uh, Clearly none of them work for the Portland police. (laughs) Should any Portland police be listening to this? uh, Nothing but love, man. Nothing but love. I have, yeah. I have not met any of you. Don't. Don't tase me, bro. Let's keep it that way. Okay. Um, While we're on the subject of animal detectives... The uh, series of books uh, published by Scholastic, known uh, known sometimes as well, okay, related to the Pet Vet series, um, includes such titles as Dog Den Mystery, The Phantom Mudder, The Mugged Pug, The Lying Postman, The Awful Pawful. The Buried Biscuits. (laughs) No, I'm into this. (laughs) Okay, okay. Sausage Situation is the last one I'm going to say. I didn't want to leave it at Buried Biscuits. It wasn't quite enough. Had to give the Jersey Shore joke. Yeah, well. Uh, What is the name of this series of books? Oh, it's going to be a terrible pun. Absolutely. Involving dogs. It's actually not that bad a pun. But... Uh... But you're not going to like it, I'll tell you right now. Was <laughs> it The Adventures of Sherlock Bones? Oh, oh my God, I remember that. No, God, uh, for Christ's sake. No one? Of course, that could just be the Pet movie I was watching last night. No, I'll give you, it's, it's a dog breed name is involved. Gum Shih Tzu's? What? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to explain that one. Gum Shoes. Shih Tzu. Oh, shih tzu. Okay. Not uh, gum shit shoes. <laughs> All right. No, the correct answer is Jack Russell, Dog Detective. Uh, it's a series of young adult novels. Oh, that's that's not nearly as bad as it could be. It's not really a pun. It's, no, it's not even really a pun. Um, I feel misled. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Too, actually, I'm challenging that question. Yeah. Jack is assisted by his second-in-command, Foxy Terrier, and by his slightly dim friend, Lord, quote, Red Setter. 
Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. So that that is that. Um, Ms. McCurdy, do you have a challenge question? I I do, but it's um, it's taken me a while to find it. All right, here's, here's a question about my favorite novel. All right. Uh, in Umberto Echo's The Name of the Rose, the main character plays a detective, uh, detective slash monk named William of Baskerville. His name uh, alludes to which famous fictional detective and which famous philosopher monk? Well, it has to be Sherlock Holmes, but... Um... Famous philosopher monk. Do you want to maybe qualify that? <laughs> no, actually, okay. I don't, not at all. All right. Well, You're doing something fascinating English. with your lip right now. <laughs> I just want to point that out. If I had 10 minutes, yeah. I'd get it. I don't know. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know about the philosopher. William of Ockham. He of razor oh, fame. Yes. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Yes. The famous. I didn't know he was a monk. monk. Yeah. That's um. That's cool. Yeah. I, I myself I, okay. shave with Occam's razor every morning. Huh. All right. I'm gonna look at your <laughs> screen because my. <laughs> so, I have a challenge question. Um, it's actually not about fictional detectives. It's about non-fictional detectives, except not. Uh, kind of. Um, Perfect. Okay. So, which mystery writer? Remarking on the personal tragedy he says has consumed him most of his life, once said, closure is bullshit, and I would love to find the man who invented closure and shove a giant closure plaque up his ass. I, I, I believe that would be James Elroy. Yeah, I, I realized as I was reading uh, it, there was no way you were not going to get that. I was going to go with uh, Thomas Pynchon on the technicality. But. Uh, bonus question, who invented closure? <laughs> um, was it William of Ockham? Uh, I'm gonna go with Shahrazad myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the concept, the concept of closure, or rather acceptance, um, as a stage, as the final stage in the grieving process, um, is first identified by Elizabeth Kubler Ross in 1969's *On Death and Dying*. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Uh, moving on, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle investigate, investigated a case in which a shy, half-British, half-Indian lawyer named George Edaji, or no, Edaliji? Edaliji, it looks like. Edaliji, who had been jailed wrongly, as it turns out, for what? So wait, Conan Doyle investigated this? Yes. This was something that he took on, uh, you know, after his ophthalmology practice failed. <laughs> Uh, wrongly jailed. I'm gonna say um, murder. Uh, he was uh, accused of writing threatening letters and mutilating animals, um, and uh, the the you, the mutilations continued after <laughs> well, Adalji had been jailed, which was good piece of evidence. Yeah, well, yeah, that was yeah. one of the reasons that Conan Doyle decided it might be a good idea to investigate. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to break in and ask this one. No. Um, on the subject of um, the bathing habits of famous fictional detectives, we have a couple of questions. Mm, mm. Uh, Nancy Drew was often said... <laughs> Nancy Drew was often said to do her best thinking while taking a what? 
Mr. Atkins. Uh, a bubble bath. Virgo. A dump. <laughs> a hot shower. A hot shower is correct. Oh, see, that's yes. what the Hardy Boys were, but I, I, they, they always they shower a lot in their books. <laughs> Wait, the, the Hardy Boys also have this? They frequently shower. Well, the Hardy Boys also had um, novels with Nancy Drew, right? I think there was some crossover. Yeah. There was a crossover television show, I believe, in the 1970s. Mm. I'm uh, just saying fan fiction opportunity. Uh, I'm sure it's been yeah. done. That's such a... No, no, no. I don't think you understand how fan fiction works. <laughs> Which famed fictional detective was once described as when he wanted to see how clean his face was, he didn't look in the mirror, he looked in his towel? Fame? Dirk Gently. Oh. That's... Uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Pigpen, I don't know. <laughs> McCurdy, of course, knows. Uh, it's Encyclopedia Brown. Uh, All right. Real quick. Uh, point for the first who can name the author of the Encyclopedia Brown books. Go. Donald Sobel. Oh, you uh, know this one too? Damn oh, it. Oh, man. I was going to say the Scholastic Book Company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're, I guess, the owner of record <laughs> as far as uh, intellectual property. Yeah. So here's my question that I've been wanting to ask. In the DC Vertigo comic series, I, Zombie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a young zombie named Gwen, uh, eats the brains of, of course, people who are interred in the cemetery in which she makes her home. Uh, But when she eats the brain of a murder victim, she finds herself overtaken by the memories of this victim to the point where she must solve the crime in order to be free of them. And my question is, is Sherlock Holmes on the record uh, in text at any point as having tasted human flesh? I'm going to say yes. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to say no. McCurdy strategy. <laughs> All right. Now, well, we have to go to uh, we have to go to Kim on this one, and she has a very quizzical look on her face. <laughs> it's, it's possible that I'm not remembering something, but I, I really think not. Really, that's disappointing to me. Really, am I incorrect? No, I um, no, I, I literally don't know when I was looking at you. For the <laughs> I, as far as I can remember. Holmes is never on record for eating human flesh. Fan fiction opportunity. Yes. Well, again, of course. <laughs> <laughs> eating it in more ways than one. <laughs> he, does, he does beat corpses with a writing craft to determine how far after death bruises can be. Yes, that's the famous one. Fictional detective. Well, I think we can assume that he licks them afterwards. <laughs> I mean, the writing crop. <laughs> I don't know what the research value is in how bruises taste. <laughs> um... <laughs> Like, I can't, I can't think of that. Well, I, what I'm thinking about is, is at this time, um, there was a particular fascination with the idea of habitual cannibalism, um, which, of course, has been debunked since. And there was also a fascination, apparently, on Conan Doyle's part with the exotic. So it really doesn't seem like it would be completely out of left field for Holmes to be investigating a cannibal tribe or something along those lines. Um but again, if it hasn't happened, email me. Thank you, Kristen, for uh, for and justifying that problem. Justifying my love. Hi, Kim. <laughs> there is certainly uh, in the sign of the four. There is certainly a tribe tribesman from some small island uh, in the off the African coast or the Indian coast. I think that's mm-hmm. rumored that the tribe is rumored to be a cannibal. Okay. Okay. It just doesn't get to the point, I suppose, in mm-hmm. in um, detection. Where you have to taste something and know, right. and know what went down, uh, <laughs> at, so to speak. 
Um, I'm I'm disappointed not to have had a little more Jessica Fletcher related content. Well, I can. I, must I be we have made one notable <laughs> exclusion that I'd like to correct. Oh, oh. Um, which of the following is true in canon of Scooby Doo's Shaggy? Mm-hmm. A. He and Velma are in a romantic relationship. That's bullshit. B. His first name is Norbert. C. He has been depicted using marijuana. Or D. He is a plantation owner. <laughs> I'm going to say his first name is Norbert. I, I agree. I'm going with the plantation owner. Uh, he spends a lot of time Although with the 2002 film was wonderfully <laughs> suggestive of... I would have accepted actually A or D. Uh, in the new series currently running on Cartoon Network, he and Velma are canonically dating. No um, His first name is Norval. Oh. He has never been detected using marijuana, but he did inherit a plantation from his uncle at one point in the series. That's why he hangs out with all the men in the white sheets. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally, accidentally gets draped in a sheet himself. (laughs) Uh huh, uh huh. I liked your uh, no way there, by the way. Totally caught that. Come on. I'm so ashamed of myself now. Which is irrational and um, not like me. <laughs> I suppose what I've learned today is that Scooby Doo is nearer to my heart than I um than I, than I dared hope. He's uh, actually tearing up as what I'm. S- what I'm hearing is that Velma's lesbianism is nearer to your heart than you ever would have hoped. I wouldn't say that at all. Um, and let there be no more said on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I want to thank uh, Kim Armstrong and Matthew Schuler for their help. Kim Armstrong in particular uh, lobbied uh, pretty hard for fictional detectives here, and um, and and is our uh, is our uh, department of highfalutin as far as the question was going. <laughs> um, the show is produced by Kristen McCurdy and myself. Thanks as always to our panelists, and thank you um, for an abstract value of you for listening. And um, do we have any other uh, closing remarks? Thank you. It's been an excellent morning. Uh, okay. Or something. Yeah. Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Early afternoon. Why are you looking at... Um... I'm going back to bed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Our theme contains elements from the album, Waves of Energy, by Synthetic Synergy. Our show is copyright 2010. All rights reserved. Thank you.